0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I am joined by the Hood Sisters and I hear an echo. Oh well, Um, we'll figure that out. Um, What we can do is mute somebody and it's not doing it now maybe. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, So we're going to get them to tell us a little bit about how they they started out, just the two of them, and they have grown exponentially, I think. So, we're going to talk about how they've grown and how they run their business and all the stuff that goes on that has helped make them so successful and how it is just working. So, we're going to get started. Can one of you guys give us a little bit about your background as designers and you're both artists? So, um, for those people who didn't get to see Uh, you on your last show which I'm going to go ahead and put in if you missed the last one This is a link to the archive, and you guys can check it out later.
1: Okay. Yeah, sure sure. Um, So we're actually self-taught which is um, a pro and a con I feel like it it can really help because it it gives you um, a lot of like it it makes you assertive I feel like Um, We did go to school but didn't ever finish because we ended up getting an internship and then just kind of learning on the job which was great because we got so much real life experience which I felt like was so like just huge because a lot of the people that we ended up working with um, didn't have that advantage but at the same time you are kind of behind the learning curve um, in other ways so you do have to be a lot more self-regulated but we were self-taught in a lot of our design work Um, but we have a heavy background in print media um, so a lot of what we do is still like very uh, print based even though uh, there's definitely um, a bigger trend in web right now um, but yeah and then now we specialize in branding that's kind of the short story of it <laughs> um, but we do as we do web as well as um, print stuff
0: cool all right so you guys grew uh, last year I have a, um, a image. So if you're new to Spreecast, what you can do is mouse off the image and then mouse back on it and you can move it to wherever you want to put it. I always put it over the chat. But this kind of shows there, it's a infographic that's part of, it's on your website now. So do you want to, I mean this is a huge amount of growth in, in a year. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Go
1: ahead. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's just one of those things where it happens without you knowing it and you plan for it but then when it happens, it just kind of explodes. Um, so yeah, we just were we did, we just doing all the legwork. We were leg work doing a lot of um, side work side for work. projects that we wanted to start getting paid for. And then, and then uh, we just kept posting the artwork and sharing it. Um, we were getting a lot of requests from people, from people to actually do the, work, actually do like the, the one, full one, brand. The full I brand that we had that we had been, we had been just know, doing for ourselves, just, just doing know, for ourselves just, just to show that we could, could do show it. Show so yeah, I think that's kind of how it happened. It, it was kind of without either Jen or I knowing until it had just been like, crap, we have so much work, we need to hire on extra help and then we had like two employees and then we had three employees and then we had interns and it was just really it was really exciting and it kind of just happened before we even knew it.
0: So how did you go like from 2 to 5? Two meaning the two of you. Did you were you already renting a place? I mean, can you kind of give us like I know it kind of just happens, but like where are you I mean, I, it's scary to me to think, okay, I'm going to go from paying somebody contract basis to paying somebody salary. And that, in a year, seems like, whoa, you must have had so much going on. I mean, but it comes to a point where a lot of businesses, that it, that's the scariest part. And you, we talk, hopefully we'll talk about it a little later, like some of the pros and cons. But can you kind of give us a little idea on who went what, where, and
1: whatever. Well, well, uh, it kind of started as, I feel like the best way to hire is it's like you almost have to push yourself so hard first um, and just kind of take care of it yourself until you are sure that there's like ongoing work enough to justify another person. Otherwise, you're just creating like an expenditure that you're not sure if you can like handle ongoing. So what we kind of had to do is just push our limits and just work super, super hard, um, almost doing what would eventually not to be the work of three people as two people and um, to be sure that across a few months that steadily we did be that that much help and we also had to make sure that like do we want to keep taking on more work are we getting the quality of work that we want or can we <coughs> just start cutting back on some of the the inquiries that we're getting so we had to kind of make a smart decision and at that point we were like well you know we do like a lot of the projects we're getting in and we want to do more and kind of grow also our service list. So if we could bring in another person that has a similar style and you know capability as we do, but also brings something else to the table, then it just kind of grows what we can offer our clients as well, which makes it a better company you know for what we want to do so luckily we had already worked with a girl um, that we knew and could vouch for and we trusted her and knew that she had a great work ethic so we didn't really even have to do like a, a big hiring process I just called her and I knew she wanted to get out of what she was doing and um, we brought her on and that's Julie who she's in the chat room right now Julie's awesome <laughs> so Julie was the first person who came on board and luckily we all knew and trusted each other so um, it was, like, probably the easiest hire we'll ever make <laughs> because we already knew her so well. Um, and usually you kind of hire more blindly just based on, you know, meeting someone almost for the first time. So, so
0: Amber wants to know um, how you got your name out there and pull from the clients you wanted. And I know you started, like, with one of your biggest first clients was, like, a mop company, which nobody's usually like, oh, my gosh, I want the mop company. Right. But you really took it and you, went, you blew it out and you totally exceeded their expectations. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you build clients from there?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at first it's just like you take what you can get, you know? Um, Not to sound rude, I mean, and what you get sometimes is awesome and sometimes it's maybe not what you want to do ongoing, but as long as you have that great attitude and you put everything you can into it to make it amazing, then you're just, you know, prepping yourself for them to tell their friends and them to tell their friends, which is kind of how our business has always grown, is just ongoing clients who are happy with, you know, just the customer service they get and the design they get, um, but also even if they end up not using us, they're always like referring friends, and we get a ton of referrals, which is great. Um, and then a lot of what we get pulling bigger clients that we want was just us like putting out there what we wanted to eventually do. So I know, Diane, I think mm-hmm. you have the stuff from the When You're a Stranger, Um, which is like a side project that Amy Mm -hmm. mainly started. But she did like a full-blown branding package for this side project called When You're a Stranger that we started. Uh, There it is. And
0: we weren't doing a
1: lot of of, uh, branding like full-on packages. We were just doing a lot of one-off logos, but we wanted to get more into like, you know, full branding. So we blew out this whole branding project, you know, of something personal and probably since then we've gotten like five like full branding packages because people saw what it could look like as a whole and just realized how much stronger it would be than just doing you know the one logo which we had getting been getting mainly work for so
0: a lot of it's just and sometimes simple. it go ahead go ahead
1: oh it's just an for Amber's answer amber's question a lot of it's just doing what you want to do yeah. putting it out there and then once people see that you can do it uh they contact you. And then you also have, just have to be brave and put it out there um, on Dribble, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, and just like showing people and being proud of it. Um, and if it's the kind of work that they want, then they'll, they'll contact you. Yeah, me and Jen say, we liken being a designer too, like, to, you have to be kind of like a Kanye, like you have to be like, like a kind, of a, kind, of, a kind of a vain rapper. You have to be like willing to share and just promote yourself kind of shamelessly, Because if you don't do it, nobody else will when you're smaller. And if you don't get your work out there, nobody's going to see you, you know? And these, we have all these great resources like Pinterest and Dribbble and all these great communities where people are looking for for visual inspiration and looking for help on these projects. So if you can just get your work out there, people are going to share it. Um, I forgot what the stats are on Pinterest. It's in our ebook, but if you promote your own work, you're able to credit yourself correctly and make sure that the link goes back to your website. And and people are just going to share it, share it, share it, and the more people that see it, the more people that link back to you, and it's only beneficial for you. So we just, we share our stuff like wildfire, and it may be, it may seem vain, you know, like to yourself, like it's kind of embarrassing to have to promote yourself that much in the beginning, but you just have to do it.
0: But if you don't, nobody else will. And I think just like this project, it shows that you could do more than what, just the one-off logos, so you wanted to do something, you wanted to show your capabilities. I do have a question, I think that's awesome, and I love, I want to talk about this um, side project in a little bit, but um, so does Julie, Julie was your first hire, does she have different skills, is she more web-based, or is she, um, or how about the other people, do they have skills that you guys don't
1: have? Yeah, so basically, we we hired everybody with the idea in mind that we'll all have different strengths and weaknesses, so that we can all work together and have a really strong company. Um, if we all do the same thing, and that thing ends up, it's like, oh, you know, whatever it is, apps are so hot right now. I don't know, but like, what if what if that starts to diminish? You know, so you want to have like a really well well balanced team. So uh, Julie is our awesome. She does a lot of uh, book layout, so like magazines, any kind of editorial layout, um, catalogs, all that kind of stuff. She is so quick, so speedy, just knows it like the back of her hand. So that's her strength suit. And then um, Jen's great at like overall project management and just vision. So she always helps us all get started on projects. And then um, we just hired a guy, Andy, and he's got a lot of background in websites, front end web design. Um, And then we just hired a producer and she's great with client interaction and just like idea man. So everybody has their different strong suits. And uh, oh, and we have Valerie, who's great with illustrations. So we try to make sure that we all are focusing on projects that we're the best at and try not to get you know like oh, i want I want to do that. Like why can't I do that project? Like, well, I think we all know that this is so and so strong, you know, and we try and still balance it out, but everybody knowing like what they're good at is really is really key. So is it
0: hard, because you guys both were doing so much. I mean, on your infographic, on your web page, it says you worked, you know, 52 weekends. You had 73 bottles of champagne. I mean, those are all things I, I do the same and I love champagne. So I'm all with you on that, But um, but, you know, it's hard to go from doing everything. I mean, if I had to do something, if I was hiring somebody right now, I would get them to do my billing, because that's like, oh, I, I don't know why I don't like to do the billing. I would just make rather make pretty things or, you know, fun things all day long. So where do you, I mean, did you know you just needed somebody to do, since Julie does more publication design, did you know you that wasn't really what, I mean, that's kind of where you guys started, though, in publication design, but it wasn't really what you liked to do as much, so you hired somebody because you were getting a lot of work like that? And is it hard to kind of, you said Jen was really doing a lot of more of the kind of overall project management. Is it hard to step back and not have your hands in so much of the design? Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, and it is. at first you feel like you're kind of getting separated from it. But really you just have to be better about, um, I feel like the way it works now is that, um, Me and Amy are involved a lot at the beginning of projects, getting everything really set as far as like what the aesthetic is, what the client wants, and then uh, who will be working on it and what our goals are. So we'll work with Sarah, the producer who's amazing, and then whoever's like kind of on that project. And so the art direction, you know, starts is really heavy at the beginning with us just like. Figuring out what we want to do and what the client wants, and then ongoing it's more of just like checking in and making sure that that's on track, you know, Uh, but Andy and Julie and Sarah are so good at at implementing, you know, styles and like even bringing their own ideas and styles (coughs) to the table, so um, a lot of the times we're still involved and it's it's not that hard to let it go because, you know, it's in good hands, you know, so. (laughs)
0: So this is kind of nitty-gritty with the business side, and I'm, um, so just let me know what the answer is, I guess. But so were you, you were working all these every day, and then were both of you getting a salary? Did you have an investor? You know, how how did you set up the business so that you would be able to hire Julie, and then, because that's, that's where I think a lot of small businesses get and they don't know what to do. And I know your book is awesome in setting up just even for a small practice when it was just really yourself, which I'll share a link later. So if you guys are wanting to know what this awesome book is, there will be a link and it's great. You guys should get it. But it's that's kind of where I think a lot of smaller design firms get to and they don't know how to go forward. So can you talk a little bit about the finances in the beginning?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, we uh, kept everything. Uh, we actually have never had an investor. We've never taken out a loan, and that might change when we actually want to like grow it to more of like a like really like a bigger firm status. It probably will change. But when you're starting out on your own, especially as a one man show, there's so much you can do without those kinds of needs. As you know, as long as you've waited to take the jump to be freelance until you've had like a steady client base. Um, if you are trying to make the jump, but you're not sure financially yet if you can justify it, you know, a part-time job or even your full-time job sometimes is necessary, and then you have to do what you can on the weekends to build up, you know, what you want to do to justify it. Otherwise, it's just kind of like a blind leap that's kind of stupid, you know? Uh, and a lot of, you know, conferences you'll go to, they'll be like, oh, but just follow your dreams and your, your heart, and, and jobs. yeah, <laughs> and it'll be okay, you know, but you do have to think about those kinds of things. So. <coughs> you might have to have a part-time or a full-time job on the, on the side before you can, you know, just by going full-time freelance. But once you are full-time freelance, even on your own, a lot of times you, if you're disciplined enough, you can work out of your house, which cuts amazing cost. Yeah. Um, you just got to bite the bullet. Like people think they need all these things like a brick and mortar and they need, you know, everything, yeah, everything. brand new, top of the line, everything like oh, I have to get, like, oh, I have to get a new desk and I have to get new chairs and I have to get new this. It's like, keep it as bare bones as you can. I mean, obviously you need your programs and you need your computer and everything, but like so many of the costs that people think, they get excited about like going out on their own and they think they need all these things, but you really don't. You just got to keep your costs super low and super efficient until, you know, you start growing your client base and you start having more expendable income. Because otherwise you're just going to, you're going to get yourself in a hole that you can't get out of. And I think that's why a lot of freelancers end up going back to just working on a steady salary because then somebody else is worrying about, all these extra expenses that they didn't, you know, really a lot for. Um, so it's tough, but you you've got to be really, you have to really be. Me and Jen are really, I don't want to say it was stingy or anything, but like for the first year, we were very, very, you know, careful and cautious about our budget. Well, it seems Aww. like you
0: had to be. You had to be careful on your time as well as on your your budget. So, are you in a brick and mortar now, or are you in one of y'all's houses?
1: So, we're currently still in the bottom floor of our house is Hoods Bay HQ, but we've got a realtor now, so it, we're actively searching for real Hoods Bay HQ, but um, it's all about reception. Like, our one of our hires, Sarah, she was like, I thought you guys were working in this, like, really big, you know, like, snazzy office, and, you know, we, we transformed our whole bottom floor into, like, our office, so we try to keep it really professional and really separate, um, but it is all about how you, you know, how, how you show yourself off to the world, you know, like... We try not to tell anybody that we're working out of our house because we want people to, to you know, respect us and, and really think that we, you know, are as successful as we perceive ourselves to be, you know, just so that we know that they know that we've got the design skills because I feel like people, if they hear that you're working out of your house, they're like, oh, well, they haven't made it yet, which isn't the case, you know. So anyway, I think you just have to kind of fake it till you make it to a certain extent. <laughs>
0: I think that's good. I mean, I think it's, it's smart and, I mean, it's not like you – you, you gave up something to have the business in the bottom part of your house, which a lot of people wouldn't do. And I think that's one of the kind of the overall what I get from you guys both times when I've um, talked to you. It's you, you really had to hustle and you really had to make some sacrifices to grow this business that quickly in that amount of time. And it, it's about getting your name out there. It's about, you know, having people. It's about this great customer service that you have with these people. No matter what product they are, you treated it like it was, the best project ever, and that's why you had an awesome mop catalog that was the best ever, right? But okay. I think that stuff, it's its treating everybody, no matter who your client is, really, um, you know, preciously. Because they are, you know, solving their problem I think is really cool, to, no matter what their problem is. Okay, so we're going to keep going. So I know you guys both talked at Creative South, and uh, um, next next week we're taking off because it's Christmas. But um, the week after, it's going to be on a Thursday, because a lot of people do fun stuff on January 1st, maybe, with their families. So, uh, But Mike uh, Jones is going to be, he's the um, founder, creator of Creative South. And you guys went and you talked I last guess. year. You guys, and he's down there, so he's, he's getting ready. So you guys get ready for his interview on the Thursday, January 2nd. But you talked about that, and as a result, you created this book. And I guess it was for your presentation. So I think I have an image of the book, and do you, I think you have a second book coming? Is this correct? I think I saw something on.
1: It's just the second edition. Just so we're just making it better mm-hmm. and adding to it as we you know grow. So we wrote the first one so quickly because it was for the conference. So we we're like, if we actually took the time, took we could really add, add a bunch of a bunch more of really helpful information.
0: Well, it seems like, I mean, and this one, this book, I got it, and it was really good as, um, I think it's good for any small business. If you're doing freelance and you just want to set up your business correctly, it has some great, you know, just basic stuff that it doesn't matter where you are, in California, in Alabama, Georgia, whatever, it was just good information, and then we also talked about this the lifestyle brand, which you also cover in the book as well, which I think the uh, the personal branding stuff that you guys have done has been awesome. So the next book, is there any, like, little um, hints of what, or the edition, um, is there any anything from that that, because I think this is kind of, is this from that, the second edition?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're taking more time also to just have a lot more fun with the design aspect of the book, but anyway, yeah, this is one of the stats. Um, it's something like only 30% of designers that go into the field as freelancers or on their own small, small business last over two years. So that's, again, one of those things where I think people just rack up their costs too much initially with maybe unnecessary expenses. Um, so we decided to do a, a nice little morbid graphic to, to pick that. But. So
0: Jason says that you and Nathan Yoder should do something, do a collaboration, but I think you guys are friends, correct?
1: Yeah, he's actually here him? in Costa Rica. He's like right up the street from us. We've not we haven't yet met him, but um because he just moved here. But yeah, he works for Sevenly, which is up the street from us. So yeah, we definitely gotta get in touch with him. He's awesome. Well he's he's here today too. He's he's under there. You should he's, oh, I see him there. I right see him.
0: <laughs> All right, so oh, the full title of the book. Um it is how um I I just grabbed it once, Meredith, so I can put it as a link. Um, can you guys give us a, I'm going to try to find it real quick, so I'm going to go to, <laughs> I'm going to your page um, and seeing if I can pull up a link to your um, book so that I can pop up. Do you guys oh, yeah, I I you know where it is in. exactly?
1: The link's up there. Julie, Julie posted
0: it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Too many, too many things going on. It's hard for me to do everything. Um, okay, so, <clears throat> um, do you think that your ability to create this powerful brand, and I think I know the answer just from the, the little side project about the stranger, was critical in your launching the business? Do you think you promoting, you building this this idea for everyone, do you think it was something that helped you, or do you think you would have worked without all of that? Like you would have grown that fast without that?
1: Well, I think your brand branding is important. so important. Um, it's it's something that it's so easy to do because you have so many opportunities to do it anyways. That you might as well just use every opportunity as an as a chance to just do something amazing to show people constantly the new things that you're capable of and that you're constantly pushing your design styles and your limits. Um. Otherwise they're just remembering like a few things that you did at the beginning, you know. So it's like every time you post a blog, every time you post something on Facebook, that's an opportunity to create a cool little graphic that goes with it to advance your brand and, and continue growing it as well as just like continuing to like establish its styles and its you know parameters. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely something that I feel like you have to be patient with, your branding, because it's like it kind of evolves on its own as well. Uh, kind of the way the apps do. It's like when you create an app, you have this idea of how it's going to be used. But then as you release it and beta test it, it's like the users kind of define what they want it to be. And it's kind of the same thing with our audience. We kind of see that like certain people are drawn to our work and certain companies and you know industries like what we do not that we'll pander our brand to them, but it's definitely smart to keep, you know, kind of including the kind of people that are are positively, you know, re- reacting to what you're putting out there. So if you're patient to see what people respond to and like, then you can keep building off of it based on on that, you know. And I think we kind got of to have that yeah. in mind. So we tried to make our design something that, something that the people we wanted to work with would respond well to. So I think it kind of goes both ways. So how do you...
0: Stay recharged. How do you keep going? What do you get used to get inspired by? Because if you're working so much and you're you're taking on new projects and you're not really ever, last year maybe you weren't taking a break. um, What has been different this year? And how have you been able to keep yourself? Do you inspire each other? I mean, the other people in your office. Do those people? I know music inspires you. You talk about that in the last one we did, but...
1: I think it's key to do side projects. Like like Jen and I have talked about, we're huge on side projects and I know a lot of companies do even more than we do. Like I I think I I was talking to um, the guys that created weapons of mass creation um, and uh, they were, I I mean, I think their billable hours were were at one point only like 50% of, you know, what they were working on because they had so many cool in-house projects. So, I, um, I think that just helps you really work on projects that you can feel like you have a lot of creative control over. Because I think it's easy to get, you know, discouraged or something if a client goes in a direction with the, the look or brand that you're kind of helping them establish that you wasn't maybe your first your first choice for them. But if you're doing side projects, it gives you a chance to to try new, new styles that maybe you're not comfortable with yet so you can feel like you're growing. Um, and just to have fun, you know, I think if it's, once it doesn't become fun, then, it's just it just becomes draining and exhausting, and it can just really just drain the creative juices out of you. So I think side projects really helps with that.
0: We so let's talk on. about. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, oh, I disagree.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the people are strange, and um, so I think it's the I don't the whole title is when you're when you are a stranger people are strange project can you kind of give us a little bit of background and then if somebody can share the link that would be awesome um and do these do these projects help you stay in the forefront and i guess be that trend maker that's what you were saying like you could try something out before you're totally comfortable with it and see if it really works um, but can you talk a little bit about that and maybe what that's done for you and what kind of clients that's brought you
1: yeah, that was yeah, just, like that was just fun been our, fun. Friends our friends, Sarah, friends Sarah and, us and, and us were thinking about one day, like, we were in this pastry shop, and this really funny thing happened with all of us and this this shopkeeper, and we were like, gosh, it'd be so, it would it'd be so <coughs> fun to make a site where we could illustrate these funny little daily life experiences, and it would be just a good excuse just to have fun and laugh and with our design friends and just, you know, practice, like, different styles that we want to practice. So we just, I, like, whipped up this site really quick. It was very, and it doesn't have to be, like, like, you know, life-altering design or something. I mean, it can be if you have the time for it, but we didn't have a lot of time, so we just threw the site together and some branding, and and it was a really fun excuse to do a branding project. And, yeah, it just turned into something really fun with us and our friends that we're trying to keep up, and we're trying to make it um, mandatory in-house so that, like, Andy and Julie and all of us can practice different skills that we want to practice, like, oh, I want to start practicing more, like, vector icons. So, like, I'm going to do my illustration for this little instance, um, as vector icons, you know, or whatever. So, and we got some really fun friends to, like, join in, and it's just been kind of a fun way to stay in touch and just do something, something creative.
0: That's cool. So is it is it something that you have an idea of going long term? Is it something you're trying to post once a week or once a month? Or is it just whenever something
1: happens? So internally, we have, like, a, um, everybody in the office, everyone at Chutzpah, all the Chutzpah team members have to do once a month. So we figure okay, at least one of us will get something up a week, you know? Because um, if you push it too much, right. like, then it loses the funny aspect and it's too forced, you know? So we're trying to just make it something fun but also, like, a good exercise. But, yeah, I think it's just been good to just keep us connected with fellow designers. Um, maybe not necessarily getting client work, but just to keep us connected with all designers and seeing, like, what trends are. And I think that's really important is staying connected with your design community because, um, we get a lot of work from friends that are like, hey, I don't have time for this, or like this might be more your strong suit, and we give a lot of work that way too. Like, oh, no, who would be great for this project, you know, so-and-so. remember that post they did, you know? So it's just, it's it's a great way to just remember like, oh, yeah, they're really good at this thing, you know? Like if I ever have a project with that, I could, you know, outsource this to them or, or just pass it along, you know? So it really is all about who you know.
0: It is. It's or a, not
1: really I, I tell my
0: students that all the time. And I am with you. I think if you've got a lot of hustle, there you don't necessarily, I'm sure my boss would mind me saying this, but I don't think you have to have a degree. You can really, if you if you want to learn, you can learn from a lot of books and you can learn from a lot of people. Um, I mean, I'm thankful that I have, um, that I got a degree, but it doesn't hold me back or it, it gave me maybe a little extra um, confidence that, you know, some people don't necessarily need because they can go out and they can hustle. And I don't think I could have hustled when I was, you know, 22 or something as much as... I think I was playing too much. I was in Colorado and I snowboarded. So that's that's how I hustled. Um, I worked a lot, but I that's how I played. So let's talk a little bit about the organization. So organizing it, it seems like so separate from maybe the fun part of design, um, but maybe it can be a challenge too. So can you kind of take us through how a new project comes in and how you organize it? And then does it go to Jen or does it go to Sarah or does it go to Julie or how does that work? And then how do you figure out who gets what? And does
1: everybody kind of have a hand in it
0: or how does it work? Um, Well, just generally, uh,
1: I think, the biggest thing to remember is always just keeping the big picture in mind um, when you're planning jobs. So you always have to think about it from the, the, beginning, from the beginning. when you're planning. Um, um, so we usually so start we usually obviously start by um, by obviously sending out the quote to whoever is like sent it in, their, um, what they want, and then we'll, uh, if they agree to it, you know, then we create the, the contract. You always have to have a contract. Um, and always include the scope of work. Like we always, we have like a couple template uh, contracts we work from, but it's so important to customize it as much as possible to each project once you've worked out with the client what those, you know, what all the specs are, what the parameters are. And usually we always include the scope of work, um, like what kind of files they get at the end, if there's any sort of licensing of what they get, you always have to include that. And then um, also including like a schedule, like a goal schedule. which they have to agree that it not only depends on you, but also depends on how fast they respond. So the schedule is also determined upon like them getting back to you in a timely manner. So, um, so those are all super important things to include as well as your payment schedule and like when you're owed things and letting them know that they don't get anything until they, you know, settle payment and things like that. Yeah. So, and we also use a really great site for all of our documents, uh, It's called HelloSign.com, I just put the link in there. But um, it's great for contracts because before we were uh, printing them out, you know, either giving them to the client or just sending it via email, then the client has to print it out, sign it, scan it, (coughs) you know, send it back to you. It's super annoying and it's super old school, it doesn't make any sense. So we use HelloSign now and it's it's legally binding and people can actually sign it just by opening it within a browser window, which is super easy. And then it syncs to my Dropbox and I have all my signed contracts in one place. So, yeah, uh, it's great. Um, But, yeah, you get them to sign the contract, and then you create your creative brief. So we'll usually work now with our producer, um, Sarah, and we'll kind of talk with the client, meet with the client, make sure that we're all on the same page as far as what inspiration we're going to draw from and what kind of deliverables we all want at the end. And then based on that, me and Amy and Sarah will talk privately apart from the client and think, okay, what's the best makeup? as far as the team, to make sure that this gets done right. And sometimes that's a group of people. Sometimes we'll bring in a subcontractor, uh, or sometimes it's just one person on the team if we think that we don't want to muddle too many styles, you know. Uh, and then from there, it's just a, man- a matter of, like, managing and staying on top of deadlines. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And we always have uh, everybody keep a timesheet, even if we flat rate quote, uh, or quote by the hour, whatever. Um, it's so important to keep a timesheet so that you just manage like your efficiency. And so we do flat rate quote a lot of what we do. So at the end of the project, we can look back, tally all the hours, and say, okay, we didn't really quote this as well as we should have. We know ongoing that we need to like up the prices for that. Um, or we can see, we itemize everything that we spend time on. So, oh, round one took really long. Um, and then, for some reason, just making small revisions took way too long. You know, just constantly keeping data about what you're doing and, and how you're doing it, so that you can look back and think, was that a successful project, or do we need to like streamline even more, or do we just need to raise our prices to because it just takes that time to be that quality. And sometimes that's what it is. It takes more time, but that's just what you need to get the job done like really well. So, I mean, you sound like such an entrepreneur. You, you have so- and uh, send them the files. <laughs>
0: You have such a good business mind. So this is something that um, you're not necessarily taught in school. So I'm I'm really proud of you guys. I mean, <laughs> you, anyway, anyway. So you you sent me an image of kind of the the time
1: sheet. Oh, that was just post one of those. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how we so do it. we actually do it all in Google Docs, which is great because everybody can yeah. um, collaborate on it. We have a Uh, One of our employees works remote part of the time, so she can log in from her house. Our producer can log in on her mobile phone, wherever she's at, and kind of check in. Um, And I can go in and and see, like, who's working on most of the hours. Um, I can put deadlines in there, uh, specs, like, what the client's email is that they need to send it to when they send proofs. Um, So, yeah, it's it's super, it might seem kind of simple and ugly, but it, it works really well for us. And there might be a better way, but this is the one that we like the best so far. So, for keeping track of just, like, it's almost like an online job sheet that everyone can, like, collaborate on in real time. And it, Google Docs has, like, a little chat area, which is really nice as well. So
0: so then you're able to, each client, so this is Beyond Meat Cookbook, and then you dot, log in your time, and you're going at 10-minute intervals? Is that kind of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, we get down pretty nitty gritty. I mean, um, sometimes we'll do it uh, bigger. This one's kind of a small job. I mean, for larger, like really big involved jobs, we might like round up a bit more, down a bit more. Uh, but for the smaller jobs, uh, we we get kind of down to the nuts and bolts at the time just to make sure that we're quoting on point. Especially since we're still kind of a young design firm, we're still just trying to make sure that we're quoting, right? Because I think we can still grow. We grow on that. I think we still tend to underbid because we just want to make our clients happy, we're we're still kind of in that, like, we want everyone to, you know, be able to work with us, you know, so sometimes you just can't take the project if it doesn't make sense, but um, so I think we're still just trying to make sure we're bidding correctly, you know, so.
0: So let's talk about that bidding. Do you use anything to help you, I mean, or have you just learned from experience, and then you just go back to these data sheets? Have you always done these kind of timesheets, and do you do everything on the timesheet, like from, ideation, to sketching, to, you know, production on the computer?
1: Yeah, we include almost everything, except probably the, um, the, um, just quoting and like actually like landing the job. That doesn't go into it. Right. Um, although for some bigger clients, like we just quoted a, a website the other day, that it was literally so big that in order to quote the job, we actually had to do like a very in-depth discovery process of like, Little, everything that it would entail so we actually had to charge the client for a discovery process because they didn't understand even what they needed to start mm-hmm. to need on it so they were asking us to give them an itemized idea of like who we would have to hire, what it would look like, um, what kind of you know deliverables we would give and we actually charged them to go through this discovery process with them to help them understand what they needed and what they would get um, and they actually paid for it because a lot of the other companies they would get quotes from wouldn't take them through as much of a discovery as we would and we helped them by showing them what other competitors did and things like that so you can even charge for almost consulting on projects that are big enough that people just need that kind of help on and don't have the time to do it so
0: yeah that's good so how do you when do you make that assessment of this is going to be a project that we're going to charge for the consulting part of the discovery phase just when it gets to a certain point you're like this is taking way longer than it should because sometimes They end up doing that, especially bigger projects that don't realize that they're that big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Usually we try and preemptively know if we have to do it because it's like trying to introduce that in the middle is probably hard to get your client on board for and maybe a bit unfair as well. You know, you almost have to bite the bullet at that point. It's like, well, I didn't really understand what I was getting into and that was kind of my fault. Or if they're an understanding client and they they didn't really represent it right to you, you can kind of go that route and work work in a payment. But um, usually what we'll do is if it's – like the project we had to uh, charge them for the consult on was, it was actually a new social network. So it's just so big. There's almost no way to quote, we had done something that big before, there was almost no way to quote it without like doing some really heavy like research. Yeah. Um, another thing you can almost charge for consulting in okay. is like really, really, really huge print jobs that need they need your help uh, like lining out like vetting printers, vetting vendors. Um, a lot of times they don't want to do that themselves, but you have to charge for that time really so you can almost charge them a consulting fee to like nail down who they want to use and like getting samples uh, making sure everything is like on point going to press checks uh, yeah. and then there's a separate charge obviously for the actual printing and then there's a separate charge for the design so and that's all if you're comfortable doing something like that of course you know
0: have you read a bunch of business books or is this just ingrained in you you just
1: well, I what <laughs> It's key to have mentors um, and just wh- whatever job you're at, take in as much information as you can. I feel like people just kind of are like, well this is my job and this is what I do and they're not, I feel like if you, you have to be open to learning every aspect that you can from somebody while you're with them. Like when we were at uh, this magazine that we started learning design on, that's where we learned all of our design skills was at this kind of really small in-house magazine and print shop. Um, and it wasn't, we were doing kind of embarrassing design. It was like big yellow starburst with like 50% off. But we took that opportunity to learn the beginning and end process of printing everything, like four-color process and digital and screen printing and all that kind of (coughs) stuff, and just of laying out a magazine from beginning to end. So we learned so many things about just business, about process, about printing. And sure, it was maybe not the best job design-wise. Like, I probably wouldn't post any of it ever ever on any kind of internet for anybody to find ever. But we learned so much. So you have to, no matter what job you're at, no matter how awful it may seem, you have to kind of just gather what you can and be like, okay, this may not be where I end up forever, but I'm going to take what I can now, and this is going to help me get the next job that's even better, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. I Even if it's not the best design job, mm-hmm. you can learn something from, there's a reason they're in your life and whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I definitely so. think that's true and just mentors, like you're asking how we learn these things. Like, we have a friend who r- retired when he was 38, so we're constantly picking his brain, like, okay, like he clearly knows how to do business while well. he's doing just fine, still sitting pretty in Orange County and retired, you know, years ago. So we just try and are always trying to ask people who know more than us. You never know everything. You can always ask somebody else for help. Like on the social network, we've been consulting a couple of friends that have done much bigger projects. Um, and you just can't ask enough questions, and I think the key is finding people who are willing to help and uh, who, who know what they're talking about, um, but that's, again, why networking is so important. Like these, these conferences that we've gone to or these designers groups that we joined on like Facebook and Twitter, um, it's just, it's key to know your fellow designers because they're always going to be able to help you in some way or the other, and you're going to be able to help them too. Well,
0: what I love about both of you, and Amy, I know I talked to you last time, and Jen was over there typing on the thing, so I'm glad to have you both on today. But um, what I think is really cool is that, um, and I think some designers, and I know I'm a little older than you, but when I was I was fresh out of school in like the mid-90s, and I think that there was some, you know, people didn't ask questions. You know, oh, you looked stupid for asking questions, and I always ask questions. I was like, well, I guess I'm just stupid then because I need to know. <laughs> So, because I thought everybody else already knew, but I think that's what kind of is a change in maybe this generation and there are so many entrepreneurs is that they're not necessarily afraid to ask some questions of people, because there's no way that everybody knows everything. So I really yeah. like that about you guys, because you definitely have, um, you're confident and you're doing great and you are an expert in, your, in areas, but you know where you're not and you're always willing to be learning and I think, if, you, if somebody thinks that they know everything, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't need to bother with sure. you. Nobody knows everything.
1: That's just silly. Yeah. Then you know that they're really stupid because that's just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So um, what do you think, what do you enjoy most about running a small, uh, growing design firm? What do we, what, what was it? What do we enjoy
1: most about yeah.
0: running
1: a small design firm? I think, I the think it's the clients we get to work with. Um, um, I feel like we're I at that point where we Take the work that we want, and we don't necessarily have to say yes to everything. But we're working with a lot of really fun startups, which some people don't like working with because they have smaller budgets or, or like whatever it is. But we love working with clients right off the bat. You get to help them with their, like, just from the ground floor to help them get a design style established and, like, you know, um, incorporated across all these really fun, different. Um, collateral and branding you know pieces Um, we love working with clients like that so we're small enough to where we still get a lot of those clients but we're big enough to where we're finally getting compensated more of what we should have been getting compensated for that like than last year maybe Um, (coughs) that's what I like the most I think is just like the clients that we're able to work with how about you Jen same thing Well, I enjoy, too, now that we're getting bigger and we have a team, that there's, like, more of a culture that we can kind of create, you know, within our own team, and I feel like uh, we're also kind of able to encourage each other to, like, also plug back into the community, just design community as a whole, um, Because I feel like, like you were saying, so much of what gets done in in design kind of remains, like, the secret of of the person kind of executing. But we've always been of the mind, like, we didn't really know what we were doing, and we had to kind of, like, scrap and figure out. um, And if we can kind of help and pass along any sort of information we learn along the way, whether it's the best way to do it, who knows. But it's just the way we're doing it, and maybe that helps you analyze, well, now I know my ways better. Or, (laughs) hey, they have a better idea. Maybe I should try that, you know. Um, So... But yeah, I love the kind of sense of community that you have when you do kind of start growing your business. You kind of get your own little community going, which is cool. Yeah. it's I also think with
0: oh yeah, for sure. So I think it's cool how I know you guys have obviously known each other your whole life, um, and you have fed off of each other. But it's sometimes it's nice to have a little bit more people to kind of feed off of or get different ideas because they've had different experiences. Does that is that another kind of great thing? about
1: running the business uh yeah I think so um yeah we have a we lot, have lot of a lot friends of that started out just as design friends that we would kind of bounce ideas off of and now um one of them well two of them are working for us and uh yeah I think it's it's definitely beneficial in the future at some point just the more people you can ask the more people you can get involved it's better yeah so what's the worst part of running around about running people? um yeah. yeah, accounts, um, like doing the QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff, hands down, <laughs> don't you think? Also yeah. hiring is hard, like when we were hiring, like, oh man, man. like you get a million emails and you have to go through the portfolios, you have to go through, and it's like when you're hiring people that you don't know, um, you know Andy says the cat is the worst part of working here. We have a cat and it loves Andy and it's like constantly jumping up <laughs> on him and putting its in face. <laughs> so it's a really loving cat, but anyway. Um, hiring is just really hard, though, I think. Um, y- if you can't hire somebody you know, I think it's really hard. But we've been really lucky so far. like We've gotten really great personalities, that, and we all work really well together. Um, and we try and hire people that we know or, like, friends of friends. Pretty much everybody here we knew somehow. Um, Andy's the one that we knew the least, but we had friends in common, and um, it's worked out really great so far. But, um, yeah, book- bookkeeping and... And hiring is hard. <laughs> but your cat
0: approved of Andy, so it was, yes. you Yes. Know,
1: well, Andy think, says he hates it, but I think he really loves it.
0: He's <laughs> bragging about it over there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how about internships to test your, uh, so Jaime wants to know about having an intern and working with them maybe, um, and I'm not for not paying people, so I would pay them less, but I would still pay them. But... Because I'm a teacher, so I'm always fighting for money for my students. Um, but what what about doing something like that?
1: Have you thought about that? We have interns, actually. Great interns. We have like best. the best <laughs> interns. Yeah. We got, yeah, we got, yeah, um, yeah. We so yeah, we do that route as well. Um, we've had a really amazing intern uh, who's been with us already. Kind of, she filled her month requirement or whatever, but she wanted to do it again um, because she actually wanted to get credit for her class. She actually had to do it for class this time. We were like, well, gosh, you already put in your dues and like, she's been so helpful. So we've actually like been, you know, (coughs) some good compensation for like what she's doing. Um, and that actually has led to a lot of subcontracting work we'll do with her. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a hire, but not really yet because we don't really need a full-time person yet, but we do try and use her on like subcontracted work when we can to help build her portfolio, but also just it helps us out. And she's really great. And it's, Paid her dues and proved that she can handle it. So it's it's really great. Interns are great. You have to obviously put the time in to, to yeah.
0: get the them. Benefits.
1: Yeah, to read the benefits. It's it definitely takes time to cultivate them and and get them used to mostly just like uh, process and uh, just how like the company works. You know the communication, keeping them on on task and stuff. Um, but if you find the right ones, they 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 always pay it back i feel like personally mm-hmm. i love i love interns <laughs> so
0: so joseph wants to know what's the equivalent of the glass ceiling
1: For, oh. For- for guys. for guys? Oh, I think you for Andy, because Andy's Andy our Andy, first boy. We, we were just excited oh. when we had a boy. <laughs> I know. Really, really, the only thing we have to watch out for when Andy's here is just not not being, like, gross girls. Like, you know how guys are gross? Like, <laughs> when they're all together? I feel like girls can be gross, too, when they're together. We so. get in, like, girl mode where we all start. I, it's, yeah. But we, so, we wait till Andy goes to lunch until we do that now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we just have to be proper when we're around Andy now. <laughs> or else we'll make him blush. But <laughs> it makes us better people. <laughs> One time we had this like Brazilian waxing client that we were trying to help pitch ideas with. Oh my gosh, it was hysterical watching Andy's faces. But anyway,
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh,
1: like, so what?
0: <laughs> but it's it's good to be uncomfortable sometimes. Then you learn about it and you think about it from another perspective, and and, and then yeah, you and get a good laugh later.
1: Here because he has a completely different perspective just because he is a guy, you know. So um, we try to keep everything really diverse in here, like people with different styles. Like Sarah Armstrong, our newest hire, she has a really great, clean, simple design style. So it's very different from – we tend to do more, like, complicated, intricate stuff. So um, we're always trying to get people with different strengths in here so that we're not we, – we know that our way is not always the best way. So it's good to get somebody that's like, should we do it that way? Maybe we should do it this way. So, yeah, it's good to get – So what about, How
0: what about art direction? Do you guys – get in, like Sarah does something, and then do you kind of art direct it the way you think it should go, or do you kind of hands off, how do you work that?
1: So, yeah, so we kind of just changed how we do things, because we just hired a project, uh, we, we like to call our producer, which is our friends at Column 5 call their project manager slash client managers that, um, so it's it's half project manager, half client manager, so she is the go-between between us and the clients, um, but she's also helping us internally to stay on track, and she also has a design background, so she can look at something and give us a third perspective that you know it's sometimes it's just hard when you've been looking at something for so long. Um, And since Jen and I are are still mainly designers at this company, sure we're art directors, but we're doing a ton of design work too. So it's great to have Sarah in here and helping us just be the you know like the third set of eyes. But for the most part, Jen and I are still art directors on everything that goes on around here. Um, We try and before you know the projects go out or are finalized, we try to look over everything together and just make sure that everybody we try to have, like, group, you know, lookovers so that, you know, everybody's kind of putting their decisions <laughs> in or it's, it's done. But, yeah, we still are our directors and full-time designers, too.
0: So do you guys have, like, a weekly meeting um, for the whole team? It's
1: not really. We're all are well, so And we're big fan. Like, I think people waste so much time with meetings sometimes. It's just, like, rehashing and driving something into the ground. I feel like you just have to get stuff done, throw it on the board, and then just do some critiques, you know? Like, it, you can just beat it dead horse sometimes with meetings so we we only do meetings when absolutely necessary um, and we try so to keep them as short as possible
0: kind of like impromptu critiques like hey guys come look at this real quick
1: that's yeah. good we're, we're also always on Skype yeah Skype so is super handy even though we always sit, sit within three or four feet <laughs> of each like Jen's other Jen's right here that's why I keep looking off into the corner there are yeah. shiny things here Yeah, but, anyways, um, but uh, We always have our Skype on so that we can – because sometimes you have your earphones in, you're kind of zoned in, and you don't want to be bothered, but if I'm on Skype and I see that, like, uh, Amy wants just me to have a second opinion on, like, something she's working on, she'll just send me a screenshot, I'll type her back, um, or Julie will send me something um, and just say, hey, when you get a chance, can you just let me know what you think about this, or I'll send Andy something to go over. I don't know. We've just really found that that's super helpful, um, and it doesn't clog up our emails. So it's kind of like impromptu uh, meetings, but it's not as like um, abrasive as like me going over and tapping Amy on the shoulder and like making her stop what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind yeah. of just like when you get to it, here's my screenshot, and then you can send me feedback on here, and I can look at it when I get to it. You know. Mm-hmm. So we actually use Skype all the time. It's kind of our impromptu meeting uh, method. I that's guess. good. Yeah.
0: Well, then you're not. You're a person who's working remotely. They can still be part of the critiques, and they still feel probably part of the environment then.
1: Exactly. If they
0: can't that's always
1: what's come in. Nice about having such a small company is that we know everybody, so we can, like, if Julie wants to work from home, it's like we, we totally trust her, and, and we're still able to all be connected. So as a mother in being a small
0: company. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So what about... Um, self-promotion, let's kind of end with that and let's talk about some of this stuff. So you're not only doing these side projects and client projects, you're also like, like this piece, I believe is the, you're more capable than you think. Like, is this a side project? Is this something you're selling? You can buy these. I know you're selling the hoodspun shirts. Um, so this is kind of like that passive income. You create something and then you can keep selling it. Um, is that another part of your business plan?
1: Uh, well, it wasn't at first, but um, this actually just something so we so did with Crochet Kids—they're yeah. a really awesome, uh, uh, socially conscious uh, business that um, empowers women in third world countries by kind of giving them these skills. But uh, we did this poster for them, so you can actually get it. Uh, I'll put the the link in the in the chat thing. But um, but yeah. I feel like that kind of uh, extraneous income that doesn't really rely on you doing, like, constant... work yourself, like doing it once and then just getting them printed, that's awesome if you can do it. Really our ebook has been the most awesome <coughs> source of residual income that we've found because it's not something that you even have to print or ship. It's literally something that you just let people download. Um, and as long as you keep updating it to where it's like helpful and useful to people, uh, it's it's been really awesome. We've gotten a lot of great feedback so far. So we're just going to keep kind of going down that route, I think, to keep bringing in income that doesn't really rely on us doing something all the time. We just do a lot of work at the beginning and then just like let it free, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So will there just as a side, since I bought the book a while ago, will there be a side so I can get the update for you however much
1: or do I have to pay full price again? No, no, no. The No, if you've already bought it, the updates will be like super cheap. I mean, because really it's just, refining what was already in there, giving more examples. A lot of people ask for more examples, kind of like our timesheet and our job form sheets, uh, examples of our contracts, things like that. So those are the kinds of things that we're going to include more of, uh, just as like examples. Um, So yeah, it'll definitely be way cheap to upgrade to the second edition. You won't have to pay the whole thing. Oh, good.
0: So is there, do you, are you building a list? Are you going to send Emails on that and then do you have plans for
1: another book at some point? Um, yeah, we want to keep doing the books. I feel like they're so handy for other people, you know. Um, and we get a lot of questions, and we've been doing. We have a couple of conferences coming up that we're going to do next year. And Mike Jones was nice enough to invite us to our first one last year, so that's a good way that we can kind of help share some of our uh, advice and process. But the ebook is so handy. If I had that ebook when I was starting, I feel like it would just save us a lot of trouble and. So we just kind of want to give those little pieces of advice for people who are just trying to break out that we get every day in the email. Um, it's just an easy link to send, so we just want to keep doing Add more of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so let's talk about some other things. I know that. Um, all right, I really like this. This is I, I suppose this is a uh, one you did pro bono or you did it um, just because it's something that y'all were. Um, passionate about, but it, can you talk a little bit about
1: this one? I think this is you, Jen, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I did this for, actually, Peter Deltano, he's in the house right now, mm-hmm. uh, him and Mike Jones, who's also in the house right now, <laughs> they're both there, uh, they kind of worked together with a third guy, I forget his name, sorry, but um, to create this thing called Design vs. Cancer, and it's pretty much just promotes artwork uh, that designers have done for, specifically for Design Versus Cancer, and they sell it as posters or t-shirts, And the money goes back to people who are uh, dealing with cancer to help them pay their bills. Like, it's not even uh, something for, like, the actual treatment. It's mainly just to help people with just life expenses when they're kind of having to take a a break from their life to just focus solely on, you know, cancer and fighting it. So it's really an awesome uh, nonprofit that Peter and and Mike Jones started together. And, uh, yeah, they have the link in the chat right there. But this is what I designed for it. Um, None of the designs have to be cancer-related, so mine wasn't at all. (laughs) But it's just, I love L.A., and I love the culture of L.A., and uh, so I did, you know, like a hydraulic, like Monte Carlo and Randy's Donuts. You can see the Griffith Observatory back there and some L.A. hands. Uh, Just stuff that I just thought was awesome at the time. (laughs) That's cool. All right, so um,
0: one of the things didn't come up, this is the job board. I know this is randomly pulling things up um so oops and I just highlighted it in a weird way um mm. so I think this is kind of small and all of these are on Flickr too if you go to my Flickr thing which I don't even know what it is but if you look me up or design recharge I think you'll find it but do you want to talk a little bit about this so it says client project invoice and that's something you know we kind of need invoice numbers designers yeah. are like oh I don't want this
1: I hate getting invoices from people that are just like, it just explains what you did, but there's no number or there's no... Yeah. (laughs) So we do all our invoicing through QuickBooks, actually. Um, And QuickBooks is amazing. Um, We also do all of our payroll through it. It hooks up with Intuit and lets people pay online. So it's really simple and easy. So we love QuickBooks if you guys are looking for something to help you manage your invoices and your online payments. Um, uh, But this actually... For the Mac? Yeah. Uh, I use. Okay. Well, it's actually not software. On- I actually use online software. It's QuickBooks Online Simple Start. It's literally like $15 a month. I had to pay extra when we did payroll. But I can do everything I need to do to keep track of, like, uh, you know, all of our banking and our invoicing, and even quoting. You can do quoting uh, for 15 bucks a month for the simple one, and then you pay more once you do payroll. But uh, QuickBooks is amazing, and people can pay right from their, click from their invoice in their email. It's amazing. Um, but this is actually just another Google Doc, the, the image that you just pulled in, that it's our overall job board. So we literally keep track of every job we've ever done. Um, and it has the client, what the project's name is, what the invoice uh, number is, what we charge for it. And then the rest of it's kind of like not as important, but the, probably the most important things we keep track of on there is what we charged and what our hourly ended up being mm-hmm. after uh at the end of the day because sometimes you'll do a flat fee and you you expect only to, to spend X amount of hours but then you're like, wow, that ended up taking me, you know, this amount of hours and now that was really an unprofitable job and it's just a really good way to track at a glance like how efficient you're being. So at the end of every job, once we finish with those job forms, we tally up the hours and we'll put them in here for like a quick glance at what we're doing. Um, so, once we go down the row and we can look back, we can see, oh wow we 've really been like upping our efficiency and it's been you know a really great way to track it
0: that's awesome, so you're just kind of yeah. analyzing this you're not analyzing it quarterly, like you and Amy go to a coffee shop and analyze the numbers you're, <laughs> you're just like looking at it all the time and then you're saying hey i'm gonna bid this out. We were really under we really underbid last time i'm gonna or we overbid or whatever it is. But, or you're more efficient with your time now, or whatever. Exactly. You're just looking at it as you go instead of trying to make these, like, big goals at a yeah. quarterly segment or something.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I look at it probably weekly, and then I'm the one who keeps the books. so kind of regularly I'll talk with Amy about, like, where we're at and what we do need to raise prices on and stuff. So it's less, again, kind of like our meetings. We try not to meet when we don't have to, so it's less impromptu. Usually at the end of Sunday I'll just be like, hey, Amy, this is what happened, and now we should do this. Do you agree? Okay, cool. <laughs> so, well, and, and we live together and work together, so pretty much we're just meeting all the time, from six almost. to eleven yeah. every night. <laughs> but you never get sick of each other. You know, hardly ever. Like sometimes, but I feel like we're finally at that age where we know what fights
0: to. Uh oh, hang on, something happened.
1: All right.
0: Say it again. Say it again, Amy. Well
1: oh, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna 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 know which fights to, to pick, to pick and 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 which just gonna let that go, like whatever, you know. So, I think just like we're working with anyone, you just kind of have to know, like, pick your battles, you know. Um, and luckily, we have like uh, complementary strengths and weaknesses, I think, and any good business partners should. So, but we try and just keep things as professional as we can and not fight, <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that's but have to talk because we just use ESPN. It's key, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is
0: good. I, nice. I think it's funny that uh, as soon as I asked the question, Amy started talking, and then Jen left the conversation.
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> so, so mad she oh, had yeah. to
0: <laughs>
1: Exactly. She's like, because you make
0: me do the books? Bye. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I just
1: so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, probably but, uh, the I know most important thing that we have together is our communication. But it's the most important thing about I think in I any think. business is the communication you have with your employees, but also uh, with your client. And I know that that was something I think we were going to talk about. But um, I feel like such a key part of uh, just walking a client through a successful job is making sure that you're anticipating what they might ask and answering mm-hmm. it before they ask it. Uh, because if they feel at any point that you've lost control of the situation and they're not feeling like they understand what's happening next or, or what's going on, and if they start to get worried, then they're going to try and steal back the power. Yeah, it it's a constant power struggle, it feels like, and then they're going to start trying to leave you along. When really, that kind of hinders the design process. So if you can kind of preemptively say, like, hey, just to remind you, this week you're going to be getting proofs on this day, um, and just to remind you, that's, you know, round one of three that you get in your job. So constantly keeping them updated as to where they are in a process and what the goals are of that round. Um, Another doc I gave you was our proofing sheet that we use, which is Mm -hmm. uh, we created like a a company wide proof sheet uh, and it always includes um, like the round that we're on. So when we do like logos, this is more for logos, but when we do logos, we always include like. Three rounds. Uh, first round is concepts. Second round is like once they fit, pick their favorite concept, we do like, you know, revisions. And then the final round is like really like honing it in. Um, so, usually in this proof sheets, we'll always remind them what round they're on. And we'll also, in that small print, we'll try and remind them like what the goals of this round are. So, it's like the goal of this round is to pick two favorites. Um, and if you can't pick two, then you need to help us like figure out why you like three of them because then we still can only work with one or two, you know? And then also, we always, in this side column, give them our feedback. Um, This is the strongest because. Yeah, like, we think this one is best for you for reasons X, Y, and Z, but maybe it doesn't best show what you were hoping to show because you like that icon. Um, Because a lot of times, you'll try and put those things in an email, but when people see that there's an attachment with their logo, they're gonna completely disregard your email and just click straight to the link, and then they're gonna be like, well, why didn't you do this or that? So we try and put all of our explanatory information and, you know, any sort of things that we want people to remember in the actual proof sheet. And we've also started trying to do um, either phone meetings, Skype meetings, or in-person meetings for at least the first round of proofs. Because I feel like if you're in person and you're able to kind of explain to them why you did what you did and kind of steer them in the direction of which one you think is the strongest for their (coughs) purposes. they just, they feel like you really care. They feel like you're comfortable, like you're, you're in control of the situation and you know what you're talking about. Um, when you're just this like faceless thing on the other end of an email, I think it's easy for people to get defensive. Like, am I getting my money's worth? Are they trying to screw me? (laughs) You know, because the business can be like that. So just like being a friendly face and letting them know like, Hey, we're on the same page. We're on the same side. Like we're, it's a team effort. We want your feedback, but we're also here to tell you that we're, we know what we're doing and professionally this
0: is what you should do I think it goes all back to that customer service of hey we're not you're not just a number to us we're really trying to help you grow your business and I think that a lot of um, it seems like a lot of design firms can get stuck in that they get stuck in just paying the overhead hey we got to get this done and whatever and they might it, it happens in any any uh, industry not just design but I think that's one way that designers can stand out and I when I was a server at Outback and I think that that was one of the best jobs that I could have ever had. And my dad has this thing, so if his drink is, you know, sweet tea, um, if it's like uh, this far down, I mean, when I'm coming around, I know next time his is going to be all the way down because he drinks tea so fast. So you know, I knew growing up we needed to keep his tea full, right? So I mean not like we were like on the edge of our seats. Oh my gosh, dad's almost done with his drink. Yeah, yeah. but but he he was he was like that, you know, and when we would go out, he's like, see my tea's gone and of course my dad's super gracious southern gentleman, so we would never say anything to anybody else, but he, you know, when he he would we knew. So yeah. I always think it's kind of like that, just like Jen was saying, you kind of got to anticipate what they're, I think Jen said that, you got to anticipate what's happening with the client and know before, it's just like if their water's almost gone, then just, you know, bring them two glasses, you know, we're explaining it, but not talking down to them, but just, hey, this is how it goes, because a lot of times they don't want to ask, because it looks like they don't know what they're doing, and I think if you give them some of that up front and kind of I'll tell clients I'm like, oh, I wouldn't let my cli- I wouldn't let my students do that, you know, if they want like some weird gradient thing or something, and it looks awful, you know. And sometimes you just have to show them that it looks absolutely awful, and saying like this might end up on a T-shirt in Florida with airbrushing or something, you know. Not <laughs> this isn't what we're what we're going for here with your retirement community or something, you know. Um, but you just have to kind of have give them an idea, and that you really have their best interests in mind. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. But I think you guys have done a great job about that. And I know we're totally out of time. But is there another image? Go ahead. Oh,
1: oh no, no, no
0: that's it. <laughs> is there another image, you guys? I know I have a bunch of things over here. This this piece looks awesome, and this looks like one of those kind of bigger things that you've done for someone. Um,
1: This one was so much fun. This client, we were just so on the same page. I would send her stuff, and she's like, yes, done. (laughs) So it was one of those dream clients where we were just both on the same page, and uh, I think it turned out so nicely and just fit together really well. And actually, when I designed this one, which I found is really helpful when doing full branding packages, as I was designing each piece, I would lay them all out together like this before I would send them to her because I wanted to make sure that they all looked good as a whole and like that they were all cohesive. Um, so I found that that's really helpful. I do that going forward now. Jen and I are working on some new business cards and thank you cards for chutzpah and we've been just kind of putting them together with the other branding that we have so far and seeing, making sure that it's all just on the same page and consistent.
0: Well cool. Well your stuff's awesome. Both of you, everybody you. in the whole place. You guys do a great look and it. you have a lot of, oh somebody asked a really good question. I put it on um, Oh, boy, we have a ton of questions. Um, Let me pull this one. Um, Let's see. Uh, Joseph asks this, and it should be up on the screen. Um, A more serious question this time. I've noticed that you cover a pretty diverse gamut of styles and projects. How does this affect how you attract clients? Is it good, bad? If you don't have time to answer, that's fine, he says.
1: Um, I think it's interesting because I like that we do different styles. I think it keeps it fun for us, and I think it gets us more clients. If you're too niche, uh, I feel like that backfires, because sometimes a style is really popular, like let's say hand-drawn is so popular right now, and we get a ton of clients for that, but if hand-drawn isn't that popular in two years, and we've got five people in here doing nothing, that's not good. (laughs) So we try and make sure that we are able to do different design styles, and it's just fun doing different things. If you do the same thing over and over, it it gets redundant, and and it's just not fun, so we, we try and keep it really very um, yeah I think it's I think it's good for for attracting clients and if there's ever a style that you're not really proud of that you've done or or like it's not something that you want to do as much of in the future just don't put it in your portfolio right so um Anthony asked
0: um, he loves the hand-drawn stuff you guys do and he does a lot of that himself do you get clients who specifically want the illustrative approach or is that something you always inject into your work as a personal preference it's I
1: only do it if you people specifically ask for it. I think that's such a huge thing about being a designer is also being able to do what people want, even if it's not what you want to do. And that's probably one of the things you learn uh, when you start uh, getting new types of clients is that like, just because you would do it one way doesn't mean that it's best for their industry or even the audience that they're going for. So, And sometimes what you can bring to the table is a better idea than what they want. You can offer that, but at the end of the day, you have to try and do the best that you can with what they're asking for specifically. So a lot of times, uh, we don't do our style um, with a client because it's just either it doesn't fit the medium or it doesn't fit the audience they're going for and they just want something different. But we still have to do just as good of a job as we would if we were doing it in the style that we, you know, like to do firstly, you know. So... Um, but, yeah, you always have to think, like, yes, I like this, but is this what the client really asked for? Um, and that's really hard to analyze, and you have to be kind of tough on yourself um, because, yeah, it's not all about what you want, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> When you're doing client work.
0: Yeah, you're solving something for someone else, and that's what I think the key to being a successful designer is, is knowing it's not about you. And yes, they like your work and they like your style. But also, if we were just doing the same style over and over and over, it's like a factory worker. We would get tired and bored, and we would rather go do something else. So um, Peter asked a question I thought was great, and I'm going to put it up here. It says, "How do you pitch that consult cost to people?" Like Joseph mentioned, I feel like generally it ge- that stuff generally ends up being stuff that blindsides you mid mid project because they want more, and I I would think that scope of the the project. Um, having that scope really clearly defined helps but I also and I don't know what you guys do but sometimes they don't really know all the stuff that's going to go into it we kind of have a scope but then I say hey this is something I can help you with down the road if you want do you get a lot of stuff like that
1: as well yeah so a lot of it like you said we usually only write up a contract with everything we know set in stone we're going to do and then like you said if there's something that's intangible that you're not sure they want to do but it seems kind of like a beast it's like, well, let's start with what we do know and let's get to that once we, you know, nail down this because this will help us define that better anyways. Um, and it's there's nothing wrong with writing one or two or three contracts just to make sure that you're protecting yourself and, you know, only doing the work that you can, you know, know deliver. That, Yeah, that you can deliver on and that will take X amount of time. Um, but, yeah, pitching it, I think, is huge. The biggest part is... A lot of what we do is, like, we'll give an example of, like, oh, well, see, we pitched this to this client, and look how much we ended up giving them, you know. So once you've done one, it's easy to justify because you can give real examples of, like, like the one consultation we did ended up having, like, a 10-page presentation that we gave to the client that they could then use to help them guide their project. So, and now I can show that to other people and say, like, it might seem like a lot, but I'm saving you X amount of hours that we spent before um, and giving you These, you know, results, things that you can say, yes, now definitively I know that this will take this, generally this is going to cost me this, and that's something that they can refer to and and go back to, and it's, um, a lot of times you have to just be confident as well, Um, like as with anything, if you kind of ask out a girl, or if you ask out a guy, guys, whatever, however you do it, like, if you go up to them and like, hey, I kind of like you, I don't know, do you want to go out? You don't have to, maybe not, maybe so, what do you think? It's not as, they're probably going to be like, you're a loser, get away from me. <laughs> but if you're like, hey, I like you. You're, no one likes milk toast. Yeah, and you're confident about it and you kind of like, you know, show them what you got to offer, then like, you know, it's going to make them think, wow, she's confident in it, makes me confident in it. I think that, you know, that they can handle what they're talking about. And if they don't want to pay it, then you've really just saved yourself uh, from someone who maybe didn't understand what, was entailed anyways it might have been hard to work with in the end
0: and i think you're building trust a lot of times across the board you're building trust but i think that the proof of the results is great um when you know that you've grown i can't remember what the graphic was now but it was your business has grown so many percentage in a year if you can have that for a customer this is how many how much their sales improved or whatever from this one project that they did with you, that stuff is proof, and that stuff is is all stuff that you have to to share. But you have to do it at least once to be able to tell them what what those results were. Here's something you can expect. Here's what one client got. You could probably expect something in the in a similar vein, even though your industry is different or whatever. But right. I think
1: and I think those
0: are go ahead.
1: Well, and maybe you even did a discovery process that you didn't charge for, but you did so much work (laughs) that you should have charged for it. Put that together in a presentation, and then you can pitch, you know, show that as an example for your pitch for actually charging for it, you know. So even if you didn't get the job, you can still kind of pitch it by showing something that you really should have been paid for, you know, as you did it. So So we
0: have, like, three more questions. Um, Morgan wanted to know, What do you give in your clients um, as a result, in regards to like deliverables, like um, a style guide, vector files, are you printing it and then you're going to, you know, um, hand them the printed pieces or what?
1: So um, we have a lot of different packages that we can start out with. Like say somebody comes to us and wants the logo, we always give somebody two options. Um, People like to have options, you know, it's like, they want to feel like they have a choice in the matter. So it's not just, this is the price, take it or leave it. And even those packages are just a starting point. Um, maybe they need more, maybe they need less. Um, and we also always ask budget first before we even send over those prices. Because a lot of things are, um, it's what you perceive about it to be. You know? And if a company is really big and it's going to be seen all over and this logo is going to stick with them for hundreds of years hopefully, like that's obviously worth more. So anyway, that too. Um, but as far as deliverables, depending on the package they get, is what is uh, they get more. So like the advanced logo pack, package, for example, um, you know they would get all of the final design file that we we all agree on in the end, and then would get that in all of their native files, and then saved for web and print and all that kind of thing. But it's we never give them full rights to all the illustrations or all the mockups leading up to that. And I think a lot of people forget to stipulate that. Um, but only give them the rights to the logo or the final piece, and then stipulate how that use, um, what the usage agreements are, whether it's limited or full buyout or or whatever.
0: So we're getting questions after questions. So we're going to have to wrap it up. We'll have to have them back on for a part three. Um, Ladies, I'm going to share some of your stuff. I know Jason, while I'm sharing some of your things, Jason Barn, he's a, Long time comes a lot, so I want to get his question answered. What are the pros and cons with working with family and friends? Can you answer that while I share some of your stuff? And I'm going to be sharing. It'll come up underneath, and I'll also put it to the side. It's ways to follow them. So
1: here we go. You you guys answer. Um, well, I think it's one of those things you know immediately. Um, whether you'll work good together or not and it's either totally amazing working with a friend or a family member or it's just like wow we should never do that again so you should always try it out first on like a simple project that is kind of has like a a short end (laughs) deadline that you can kind of test it out on uh, before you go like full-on into business with someone Um, because we actually do a lot of work with our friends and it works out amazing because They've all been actually people we've met in the design community anyway, so we do know that they have that capability of being, like, uh, professional professional, and keeping their own schedules and stuff. But um, a lot of times you'll work with a friend, and it doesn't work out, but it doesn't mean it's the end of your friendship. It's more just like, okay, let's just remember not to maybe do that again, <laughs> work with each other, or else it might just ruin everything. Either a personality clash or whatever. And maybe it's something that even doesn't need to be said, that it didn't work out well. You just kind of, like you know what, just for future, just to save that no friendship, self. let's just not go down that path, you know, so. So what about um,
0: how, how would you do, would you do it differently of what you are doing now, or would you just keep going? Do you have any regrets the way you've done it so far?
1: I will say I regret, I love our name, but I regret, a little bit because we are constantly having to explain it, and as far as spelling it, people just tune out once you hit the Z, (laughs) and people can't email us because if you try and tell them the email address or the website, oh, it's such a nightmare, so I would just say pick your website wisely and choose your company name wisely, (laughs) something easy to remember, easy to spell, yeah, but other than that, I feel like everything else that we kind of had to go through was really necessary in a... Learning process and it kind of made us who we are today. Um, I can't think of any huge life altering mistakes that we made that I would go back and change really.
0: (laughs) Well, at least it's not, I wouldn't work with my sister because that would be awful. (laughs)
1: Yeah, gosh, I wish I never wanted to (laughs) do this. Such a mistake.
0: (laughs) Well, um, we'll do another catch up series, and if you guys want to not ever miss an issue of Design Recharge, you can sign up for designrecharge.org and go to subscribe land so that you can always get it. You get all the questions beforehand. You get a chance of sending me your questions beforehand so we for sure get them. And ladies, we never get through all the questions and we never get through all the images and you sent me less images this time. So we'll just have to do a part three if you guys are up for it. I loved having both part of you on you today. A? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. We'll have to do that. And now I'm downloading all of these, and so the whole interview will be on um, YouTube too. So I will post it on the Facebook for uh, and the Twitter for Design Recharge and stuff. So thank you guys. Thanks for everybody who came. All these people that I know, and I'm so thankful that they came. And um, I'm thankful that you have three other great people at your studio that help you and get you guys going. I can't wait to see what what happens in the next year. So. Congratulations. Have a merry, merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: Cool. You too. Thanks,
0: Diane. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.